Roberts and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you have any questions for our guests, there are many ways you can contact the show. You can post a question on our wall on Facebook, Skype us, send us a tweet on Twitter to at The Organic View, or you can contact me directly at June Stoyer on Twitter. Today's topic, we're going to be talking to a Rosarian, an award-winning Rosarian, might I add, and we're going to be talking about how to grow organic roses that can win some awards. <laughs> it's interesting. People are so fond of different areas in their gardens, and when it comes to roses, roses are always the centerpiece of every well-manicured garden. They can be a challenge at times, but the rewards, of course, are great. Due to concerns about the harsh chemicals that are used typically to help cultivate these very high-maintenance plants, more and more gardeners are seeking advice from rosarians to help them grow beautiful roses organically. So today, I have a wonderful woman named Susan Fox. She's the founder of Gaga's Garden. She's an author. She has won so many awards, and she has the trophies and the pictures to prove it. She is just really something else. And if you're somebody that isn't really too crazy about roses, you might find that after listening to Susan, you might just fall in love with them. (laughs) So I would like to welcome to the show Susan Fox. Good afternoon, Susan. Good afternoon, June, and thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be with you and and to talk with roses. And as I mentioned before, you're so easy to talk to, and we could talk all day about roses. And, um, um, again, it's just an exciting time time to plan our spring garden. So, And I know today you want to talk about some of the organic um, elements, the elements and soil amendments that we use for planting our organic rose garden. So um, where should we begin? Well, actually, Susan, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? I mean, you have such an incredible background, and you've been doing a lot of public speaking for many, many years. How does one exactly become an official rosarian? Well, how I began with roses is like a lot of young people, my mother was just an avid gardener and she loved to be outside in the garden and she wanted me to assist and she wanted me to help weed and she wanted me to to learn to do things and I didn't want to do it. I didn't want any part of it. And um, so um, it was a gradual process and I moved away and started wanting to plant things and and, uh, I think I started putting in petunias and uh, snapdragons and just started learning to love putting in different types of plants and when um, later as I when I grew um, when I bought my first home um, it was my mother's home and she had a rose garden so in other words I moved back to my mother's home and I didn't know how to take care of the rose garden and so with the assistance of my mother I wanted to take care of this proper garden. And um, I sought the help of of a local rose garden. It was in northern Illinois on the North Shore. And there was a rose garden in Libertyville, Illinois. And mm-hmm. it was taken care of 
by the Libertyville Men's Garden Club, and there was a gentleman, a self-described octogenarian rosarian, and he was just an amazing man, and his name was Lynn Arthur, and really, he you would have to listen very carefully because he spoke haltingly and he walked in a slow uh, shuffle step and he took me under his wing and he taught me everything you would want to know about growing and um, taking care of roses. And then he encouraged me to show roses and it was uh, really amazing. And um, I did then enter and begin showing in along the North Shore with the um, Northeastern Illinois Rose Growers. And subsequently it was in that uh, local rose society that I did win, um, which I think you posted that picture. Um, it was in the Chicago, um, the American Rose Society, uh, their national convention for one of the trophies. Which What was that like? People don't seem to understand what it's like to enter a competition, especially in the horticultural societies and other similar communities, there is some intense pressure. Showing roses is, for anyone who's shown in, in any competition at any level, the stress is um, it's, it's very high. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> well, you're dealing with a lot probably, of egos. Well, I know people have asked me, you know, how do you how do you show a rose? Do you dig up the plant or, well, you, 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 this particular rose, um, it was very interesting how the selection came to be entered in that rose show. The selection was a large flowered climber named Tempo, and I acquired the rose bush because my son at the time went to work for a car dealership and you might have noticed the name of the rose is called Tempo. At the time, I think it was Pontiac that had come out with a car named Tempo. And they, my son called me and said, Mom, if you'll come drive a Tempo, I'll, they'll give you a rose bush. And I planted that rose bush. And this fits right in with the show, um, the organic nature of the show, June, because that rose was fertilized with eggshells and coffee grounds. That's the only thing I ever put on that plant, and it grew to be the most spectacular rose bush, and I entered it in that show, and my son actually, who's very artistic, selected the um, the stem, if you will, that I entered, and you, know, you polish the leaves. You can put nothing on a specimen that you enter. There can be nothing artificial. You polish the leaves with your... Um, Fingertips. You can bring it up to a high polish. Um, you just warm it with your fingertips. You. Um, it's really quite a process. And then um, it just has to be perfect in um, um, the way it's presented for... Um, like how do you prep the rose? I mean, other than rubbing the petals, what else do you do? Almost, uh, I, I'm almost tempted to make a joke and say, do you give it a manicure and a pedicure too? But you know, <laughs> you do. I mean, um, the president of the Rose Society, um, that society at the time, he was also president of the American Rose Society. That I wow. believe that he could force a, a rose to to open to perfection. But he, I had seen people that could put a Q-tip into the bloom and then take a hair dryer. You could you could do that and and warm it. 
to open to perfection, but I was never that good. Trust me, June. Uh, this <laughs> I credited I credited nature with the way that rose looked, but um, you you um, want proportion, you know, with the the way the stem. You know, it's just um, there's so many factors. I'm I'm certainly not an authority on showing. I leave that to nature. I just had a perfect specimen that I entered, so. You just happen to be very good at winning the, the awards. Well, there's a lot better than I am. I, I just enjoy going to the garden close to showtime, finding some great... My my intents for the first shows were, were I have beautiful roses, and at a local show you want to share them. And I really took them for that reason, to to share and to encourage people to come to the shows and to share the beauty of roses and hope that they too would enjoy getting into to um, growing roses and and bringing them bringing them into the landscape. But my mother, truly, you asked what got me into growing roses, and I would say that it was my mother and then the local garden clubs and the local rose societies. I had so many people encourage me. I I would have to thank lots of people. Well, you know, I have to thank those very same people because let me tell you, the the things that you've done are just tremendous. And, you know, folks, it's interesting. There's so many people that I've interviewed on this show and so many people that I've met at the different botanical gardens that are just really wonderful at they do with what they do. And like Susan, very modest. It's interesting. You think that you know everything, and then you meet somebody who makes you feel like you know nothing. That's basically the joy of gardening. I mean, there's just so much to learn, and it's impossible to learn everything in one lifetime. It doesn't matter what your focus is. There's just so much to learn, and it's impossible to just master everything. With rosarians, it's an especially interesting area because the love and attention that these folks put into all the care, roses are just so finicky. I kind of have a very hands-off approach. I look at it this way. They're out there. I have just a, a few roses. I don't have a big rose garden. And that's also because of my allergies, unfortunately. But I do admire people that, such as yourself, Susan, who have just tremendous collections. When you're first starting out, I'm asked this many times by people that are looking to create a specifically designated area in their garden to create some particular spot that's designated for roses, what type of soil should you really have in order to begin thinking about having a rose garden? What's well, ideal? I did want to I, I wanted to say one thing though. I, I know a lot of people do roses are perceived as, as finicky and, and they can be, but they are tough and they are forgiving. So I I just wanted to preface Mine holds grudges. <laughs> <laughs> they can, and they can really uh, they can inflict some wounds too. But um, roses like um, a certain type of soil, and and um, I think you know that I did grow up in northern Illinois, and growing roses in northern Illinois, and then remember for a um, a corporate relocation, I moved to Texas, and that was like growing roses in a whole other, I may as well have been in another world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was because I had no idea what to do. I had to start all over learning how to grow roses. And I did and had 200 roses there. But 
Roses in Texas had to believe that they didn't even know they were in Texas gumbo, which is clay. So basically, Rose is like a combination of um, a, they, they really like an elevated bed. They don't like to have what my mother used to say, they don't like to have their feet wet, meaning they like a well-drained bed. So ideally, you would like to have them in an elevated bed, which I did put in. So I moved to Texas, and I'm my rose garden in nice, rich black, you know, the black soil of northern Illinois. It was in a, um, you know, I didn't have an elevated bed. So I moved to Texas. I'm going to put in this dream garden. I'm going to have elevated beds. I'm going to have drip systems, which I did. And... Um, they didn't know they were growing in Texas gumbo because I brought in, I, I tilled up the the um, clay, the Texas gumbo, and I to that subsoil I added um, well-rotted compost, you know, like rotted humus. I brought in Canadian um, sphagnum peat moss, ground bark, and um, like a seasoned uh, rotted commonure sand and a garden gypsum and like a bone meal, and you put that in at a rate of about six to eight pounds per hundred square feet of bed. So they didn't even know. It's, no matter where you grow roses, that's a pretty much perfect soil to put roses in. Mm. And um, <laughs> you sounded pretty underwhelmed there, June. But no, I was just thinking life. about all, all the things that I just don't do and have never done. <laughs> I remember the first rose that I bought from the nursery, I remember asking the nursery owner, um, you know, which which was the easiest easiest to grow. And he said, oh, yeah, they're all great. You know, they're kind of finicky, but, no, uh, you know. Yeah, you know what? That's like, I, I'm going to tell you what. I read one time, and I was in a food and wine magazine. It, it said, and I always love this, if you go into a restaurant and you ask the server, what's great on the menu? And they say, everything. It said, get up and leave. Well, if you go in and you're trying on a dress and, and the person says, oh, you look fabulous, that means they just don't care enough to commit. So here's, <laughs> what, I think about someone, here's what I think about someone who tells you that about a rose. They don't know what they're talking about, Okay. Well, now I was naive back then. Now, when I before I buy something, um, well, I shouldn't say that because you know me in a in a nursery is just a bad idea because I just you know you see so many new gadgets, you see so many different things that you want to buy, and especially if they have sales and they have all sorts of things, and then you you know you see somebody that you know, and you know, of course you can't uh, let them think that uh, you're not going to have a better looking garden than they have, you know. So of course you have to go over and forth. And it's just kind of interesting. Uh at this point, before I buy something, I will ask someone that works there, I'll say, Well, what have you bought and why? And if I go to a restaurant, same thing, even though I don't really go to restaurants that much anymore. Um but uh if I do, you know, it's always why this particular plant? What what makes it great? And what do other people buy? And uh, have there been any problems with them? I mean, anybody who's uh, fairly competent when it comes to uh, plant care, I mean, they don't need to be a rosarian necessarily, but they'll tell you what other people are doing. They'll tell you um, 
they'll find somebody that has more information if they don't know it directly, you know. So I found that asking a lot of questions really does help. But at this point, before I go through the trouble, it's just that for me at this point, if I'm going to plan something, I really need to think about it. I need to think about the care that it requires because my schedule is very um, it's very demanding. And there are certain plants that I just don't have the time for. And I know that it would be a disservice to that plant for me to buy it and then neglect it. So I, I just don't have the heart to do it at this point. And when it comes to anything that's going to require initially a great deal, deal of, of care, um, if I know that I can't commit to it, I just won't do it. And so that's something that I just keep in mind. I mean, certain plants that I pick up from the nurseries, yeah, if it's something that I really want to make the effort towards, um, you know, if it's a fruit tree or something like that, um, I'll do it. But it depends upon what it is. Roses, because of my allergies, that's primarily one of the main reasons why I don't have such an elaborate rose garden, even though it would be nice. But, um you know, unfortunately, it is what it is for me, you know. But, you know, June, the greatest roses, I mean, I do think that everybody now can have easy care roses. Knockout roses are just wonderful, you know, in Texas especially. And I see them here in um, landscapers now and are putting them as a centerpiece for landscape. Um, you know, I had red raz. It's a, you know, a deep purple double type blooming um, centerpiece of landscape design, and they are disease-resistant. They bloom just like crazy. They are black spot resistant. You don't have, you can prune them just like a shrub. I mean, if you want roses and you want lots of bloom, um, for Pete's sake, they look like an azalea. They bloom so much. I mean, Mm. it just depends on what you want. You just can... Now these double knockouts, they come in yellow, they come in, um, I had rainbow, um, um, I think it's just called rainbow. I started to say rainbow sorbet, but I have so many roses, I, I can't believe it. Unless I'm looking at, I I think it's called spreadsheet. I had I had a shell spreadsheet with all my roses listed on it. And, um, and I'm sure and, that when you go out there, you can name each and every single one, including their botanical name. No, not the botanical name. I only know the variety name, and I mean, I I know whether they're. I I didn't do. I tend to like. Um, I do floribundas and hybrid teas, and um, the large flowering climbers and miniatures. I don't have a lot of old garden roses. I do like them. It's just you know you have to stop somewhere, and when you're at a couple hundred roses, um, you know you just how many can you put in. I like David, the David Austin roses, um, and it's just what you really nailed it. It's what you plan. What what do you hope to achieve? You know, what do you what do you want your garden to be, and how much time do you have? And and <clears throat> there are certain roses that take more care. And no. there are roses coming out that are more disease resistant and don't take as much care. Now let's just talk, take a minute to talk about the types of roses, and um, you know we'll just name a few of them. There's so many to talk about, but let's just talk about some of the ones that you've just mentioned um, and why you selected them. And as you said, 
not everyone is going to have the same taste or is going to have the same opportunities in their yard or wherever they're planting them uh, because depending upon the light, depending upon the uh, the um, the way everything is set up, they may not have the hardscape to accommodate, especially if it's a runner um, or a right. climbing rose, rather. Uh, now, uh, for example, you mentioned the David Austin English roses, and mm-hmm. these are very, very popular. Why? Why? What attracts you to this particular type of rose? Well, they're absolutely gorgeous and have that old world look to them and mm-hmm. I had such I had just Graham Thomas I had a couple just magnificent of the David Austin roses so because they have that again that old garden rose and they they combine all of that elegance with with the properties of some of the new roses um so that's why I love them and I think that's why so many people do I just um I lost my um, Graham Thomas in Texas because I think there were 100 days of 100 degrees and there were a couple of dead spots for water. I mean, it was just almost impossible because, again, if you're going to try to to conserve um, and, and try to, you know, there were water restrictions, you've got to take that into consideration. You know, if you're going to try to be very careful, and, and I lost that that rose during that really high temperatures. <clears throat> so those are things you have to, if you're trying to put in plants, but roses don't take as much water as a lot of people. I've, I've had roses survive very difficult drought times on very little amount of water. They just, the blooms cut way back. They go into a um, preservation mode, if you will. You know, you can cut back on the water, but they can't have no water, you know, so. Of course. Um, now, do you, do you put I, any type of a canopy over the roses at this point now that you've had that experience? Do you ever do that? Because I know some uh, well, gardeners that do that where they'll they'll put up a canopy if it just gets way too hot just to prote- protect their plants from being scorched. Right. Six. Well, a rose needs six to eight hours of full sun, but... You know, that's a good point. I noticed that roses in full sun in a really hot climate, you know, they they do better with with some protection. So, yes, that's a really good idea if it's going to be extremely hot to protect them because then they, they, um, they do better when they're not just being scorched, you know, in, in full sun. So, and it preserves some of the, the moisture. So, um, that's a great idea, but. Now, Susan, um, another type of roses, the All American Rose selections. The 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 this is a particular uh, type of rose that basically has been um, observed, if you will, by people that um, have in mind the typical. Uh, gardener, if you will, that is not necessarily going to have your expertise, but you know might encounter all sorts of different issues. What has your experience been with all American selections? Um, you know, I've had. I think you've probably seen. You know, anyone who's read the 
things that I write, I, I, when I go to um, buy roses, I take this little handbook. It's called the, well, it's actually put out by the American Rose Society. It's the um, a handbook for selecting roses, and it uses a guide, and it's in. It also includes that ARS. It has an ARS when they've um, the rating, and that takes into consideration people's rating on the roses. It's it's disease resistance, and, and they include in their magazine the um, different ratings for you know how people rate them, what they mm. think of them, or because they have gardens, you know they. That people agree to rate roses based on all sorts of things, disease resistance, what they think of the rose, color, that sort of thing. So I found it to be, um, you know, pretty pretty accurate, but some selections. I mean, I, I, I bought one rose that um, I, I think it was an ARS winner. I'm, I've got my little book here I can look up. Um, yeah, the ARS, the ARS uh, selection, or the ARS winners are really something. I mean, um, you can Google the uh, All-American Rose Selection winners. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them, but it's it's a really interesting process. I've participated in the um, critique of the selection, not with roses, but with other plants, and it's mm-hmm. quite interesting um, because you, you're observing these plants in all sorts of different conditions and, you know, different times of day and whatnot. And just, it, you know, it, it's a group effort, and then they collect the data from all over the place. And uh, it's yeah, just kind of interesting how they go about just figuring out um, what's what's really hardy and what's not. I was just, in, the, in this book, in the 2011, I couldn't locate my 2012, which, believe me, I'll be tearing up this place looking for that book. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I carry that thing. But my 2011, even this book, it indicates with an at sign, this rose, whether the rose is an All-American Rose Selection winner. So, you know, you can go through and determine whether it was a winner of the All-American Rose Selection or not. And it also will show whether it's an American Rose Center Trial Grounds winner or whether it's an AARS Society Award winner. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors. And before, so I wanted to tell you, before I choose Rose, I look at all these factors. But with that said, I also, emotion comes into play when I choose a Rose because I can know all these things, June, and then I will see a rose that, oh, my goodness, that was my mother's favorite. She just loves fragrant cloud. I'm going to get it anyway. See you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, because I'm guilty of that, too. So, yeah. I don't know anybody yeah, or, who's not guilty of that. I mean, that's that's one of the things that is great about gardeners. Uh, if you have a passion for gardening and working with the earth, it's just amazing when you see something that brings back a particular memory, all of a sudden, um, you know, you, you just have to incorporate that into your own environment. Right, or um, I can't imagine having a garden without a peace rose. Thank goodness it's rated like a nine or something. Peace <laughs> has been around since, you know, I mean, there's just certain roses that I think I, so far I plan on having in every in every rose garden, and um, they're just, um, you know, there's a rose called Heaven um, that's just, 
spectacular. It, there's roses that make me think of people. I have a I have a rose that's named um, Louise. Names that make me think of like Aunt Louise. You know, there's names mm-hmm. you can put roses yeah. that you. Now there's the Paul McCartney rose. There's the Paul McCartney rose. How did they get the, some of these roses with these celebrity names? Explain that. I think you can buy that. I, I, I'm not sure. Don't. I, I should say, don't quote me. I'm just saying that over your fabulous radio show and wherever. <laughs> and I thought. I think at one point, you know, Jex, I thought you could, um, you know, you could buy it, but I don't know. So. I think somebody should buy a rose and name it name it after me if they're. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't done it already. That'd be great, right? Remember, uh, I mean, isn't that you can buy a star like for you can? Ah, uh, who wants a star? I want a rose. I want to be in everything. Have a, <laughs> well, you know, that's a great idea. The the um, I had a I have a, a rose. It's a little um, miniature rose, Jack Walter of Kimbrough Walter roses, but he didn't. It's not. Filed properly, I'd have to go file it. It's named after my middle name, the miniature. Yeah, the miniature roses, they're really just, uh, they're um, nice for many different reasons uh, because you can put them in containers, they make really great borders, and they also solve the space problem for people that have a yard or a balcony. I mean, and they're very hardy in, I think it's zones five to nine, uh, as long as you, and, you know, protect during the winter. And I, do, I may have told you this before, but, you know, I love fibrous begonias. And after going to, um, what's that wonderful island off of Vancouver, uh, or Boucheron Gardens, is that how you say it, Boucheron Gardens? Mm-hmm. You know, um I I love um, tuberous begonias because they're you know the great big double begonias and they have such intense colors. But so I love begonias. So all you begonia lovers, I just love begonias. But fibrous begonias, if you plant begonias as your border and you go out and you have a gorgeous English style type garden, and in the summer you go out and you say. Oh, you lovely begonias, you just look fabulous every day. They look pretty much the same, right? And they're gorgeous every day. But if you decide to plant miniature roses, every day is an exciting day because they change. Every day a rose changes. One day they're buds, the next day they're they change. They're a different shape, they're a different and the colors change and so I started replacing where I would plant the you know, the fibrous begonias to planting um, all sorts of miniature roses. And then every day is an exciting day. You walk out and you stroll around and you see that what's a new bud and what's a full-blown rose, and, and they just change. So, what what are some of your favorite miniature roses, Susan? Oh, my goodness. That's... I know the list goes on and on, but uh, if you could just name a few, what are some of your favorite ones? You know, um, hold on, because they're, I want to tell you something. The miniature roses, they have the cutest little names, like teddy bear. If you want to just fall in love with um, picking out roses, then you people could get 
so into to buying little miniatures because listen to these names, Child's Play, Kristen, Golden Halo, uh, Jim Dandy, um, Rainbow's End, Black Jade, Winsome, Little Jackie, um, Yeah, I mean, Puppy Love. I mean, they just have the cutest names. I had um, one that was just beautiful, and it's my daughter-in-law's sister's name, Kristen, Child's Play. I mean, Mm. there's cuter ones than that. Um, Of course, that brought me to a name of one that um, everyone always commented, but it's not a miniature it's a Florabunda and that was sexy Rexy. I had a I took a picture of sexy Rexy that's on the wall. It won a <laughs> it won a prize at a photography show at a rose show of sexy Rexy. And that was named after um it was actually named after that movie a movie star, Rex now I can't think of his name, but he was a big movie star. Um no, it, it, anyway. it, Yeah, go ahead. Now I can't think of his name, but oh, sorry, Corrine. <laughs> I'll have to email it in. But you can just have fun with the names of miniature roses. Now, it's just so. interesting that there's so much to the miniature roses. I mean, you have ones that are fragrant, ones that are that are not. You have uh, uh, some that are single petal. Um, yes. Whereas you have others that have five to eight petals. I mean, yeah, there's so much to know. I, I before I started really taking a closer look at the miniatures, I really didn't realize how complex they were, and it's just fascinating. And you know, once again, anybody can grow them, especially if you're not, um, you know, you don't have uh, uh, this vast experience with roses, you can always grow them in a container, and what's nice about that is you can move them around. Exactly. And I wrote um, uh, Jack Walter, and, you know, he was named, I meant to, I meant to mention, he was, there's, oh, this honor had only been bestowed to two people. It's a, a really high honor within the, in the um, National Rose Society. It's like, um, um, honor. It's uh, again. I'll have to email you the, this title. But he he was host to the 